welcome everybody to another episode of the Outlaw Process. Yes! Jeff from Exeter Drums is on the show today. Drum quote of the week. Dave Grohl says, I love being a drummer, but everybody thinks you're dumb. What they don't realize is that if it wasn't for you, their band would suck. David Grohl. Boom. Hear that drum being sanded? Oh, yeah. Today's show, we got Jeff from Exeter Drum Company on stage today. He's going to tell us about his company. Very innovative. Uh, may remember him from building the drum completely out of uh, drumsticks and epoxy. Yeah, we're going to talk shop today. We're going to talk building drum shop. Not too much about technique and playing, but more sawdust related stuff. Music provided by Outlaw Studios. Well, hey, everybody. I want to welcome everybody to the Outlaw Process. Today, we got drum company. Exeter Drum Company is on the show today, and he's going to tell us about his company and everything's going on. And um, hey, brother, what's going on, man? Hey, Mike, how you doing, man? I'm Jeff Beck from Exeter Drumworks. No relation to the guitarist whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, good to have you on the show, man. Thanks for um, squaring up some time, man, to be on the show, man. I'm, very, I'm super excited. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me. Yes, Jeff. Um, yes. Um, so, man, so listen, I want you to tell me about your drum company, man. Tell me kind of what's going on and um, how long you've been doing drums, what kind of drums that you make. And, um, yeah, just let's take me back to the origin stories, man. And Because uh, I've been following you guys for a long time, man. Love your product. I'm 33 now. Uh, back when I turned uh, 27, I really didn't have any direction. I was working a good job, but I didn't have any connection to it or any passion for it. And uh, I ended up just uh, kind of sort of feeling a calling to learn to build drums out of nowhere. I've played drums since I was five years old, but I just had never done any woodworking or anything like that. And uh I just went online and started going into forums and trying to figure things out. And then I tried to make some jigs and uh, to round my stuff because I'm not the kind of guy who's got a few grand laying around for a decent lathe, you know? I heard that. <laughs> and uh, don't you have a big, big, big boy that you got just a couple of years ago? Did you get that thing refurbished yet? Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> I sure did. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah, man. <laughs> Game changer. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah, um, so I've been doing it about five years now, and uh, definitely learned a lot of lessons over five years. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, just, just little tips and tricks that I'd like, the, the sort of things that, you know, yeah, so, so that we like to learn that we like to, you know, you got to learn through the blood, sweat and tears, the sort of things that you and I would keep to ourselves and not tell the beginners and we tell them where to get started. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, man. So what kind of drums do you make? You make stave, uh, steam or segmented or? I make stave and uh, I, I, I am interested in steam, but at the same time, I've got a good friend up here in New Hampshire. There's uh, just a few of us building drums up here. Uh, I make stave. There's Dale Vigent, Vigent, Vigent drums over in uh, Rochester, New Hampshire. 
And uh, he's only about 40 minutes away from me, and he's been real good to me, so I don't do anything steam-bent because I leave, that that's sort of his arena, you know? Yeah, yeah. I got you. So what kind of woods do you typically use? I really will use anything, except I really just don't like to build out of plain maple. I've done it for a couple of people who are adamant that that's what they wanted, but I, I, I would probably turn down that sort of thing at this point because I really like to focus on woods that haven't been built with as much and tones that people haven't heard as much. Yeah, yeah, maple's kind of like the standard. Everybody kind of goes to maple. It's weird. Like sometimes you get people that just swear by it, and then you'll get some people that's just like, no, you know, <clears throat> that's kind of how the, you know, how drummers are sometimes, man. It's definitely. Well, the thing about maple and mahogany, the thing about maple and uh, like African mahogany are that there's a hundred years of big manufacturer advertising behind those species of wood because they're real cheap, real plentiful. Yep. And uh, if you can convince a drummer that the cheap and plentiful stuff is worth thousands of dollars, then, you know, you're making a decent margin there. But I, that, that's never been my interest. I, I got into this because, you know, okay, so I, now I remember, yeah, there was a, uh, I bought a Ludwig Classic Maple Exotic with a black Limba veneer on the outside and, like, seven plies of maple on the interior and i was frustrated because it sounds exactly like every other maple ply snare drum out there and i said well i want to hear what a black limba sounds like so i built a black limba and that was my gentleman jack was the first uh first drum that i got finished and that was a uh, solid three-eighths inch thick black limba with uh champagne drum cytotube lugs on it and uh, Angel Drum Amoeba Hoops, but I haven't gone to, I think Angel Drums has changed hands since then, but back when I bought those, my uh, my identity was stolen in their country, and uh, I haven't done business with them since. <laughs> that's that's insane. Somebody stole your your identity? Yeah, somebody tried to, somebody tried to uh, like, uh, open up a couple of credit cards in my name over there, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, wow, yeah, man. so you learn who not to do business with pretty quick when things weird things happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's that's definitely that's definitely crazy. So tell me about man, how has the drum building experience been so far, man? So you've been doing it for about five years, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's definitely been a little bit of a slow burn. I'm starting to gain a little bit of traction, it seems like right about now. I mean the pandemic didn't help any of us. That's true. Any of the small guys. Once once I mean the people who are interested in custom drums and custom builders and good handmade work are the guys who are out professionally touring and those guys weren't making any money for two straight years. Yeah. That's so we, you know, we, we lost a huge amount of our market for, for guys like me and you. I mean, you're, you're a pretty big guy in the boutique market. You know, you got the almost 40,000 followers on the Instagram, you know, um, so you're, you're a recognized name by an awful lot of people. I, I'm probably more on the end of like Murrow drums, Sam Murrow out in California. And, uh, oh goodness. I know I'm going to be forgetting a bunch of people, but like, um, uh, my friend, uh, Latelier out in Belgium. Yeah. Um, and, uh. Yeah. Like predator percussion, you know, and he's, he's a little bit bigger than me too, but, um, but yeah, like they're, they're 
when they're able to buy, you know, they're looking at all of the people that they know because not a lot of drummers go on the deep dive and not a lot of drummers have heard about all of these different species that, that you and I use. You know what I mean? That's a fact. That's definitely a fact for sure. I like the way your your badge looks, man. You can definitely tell. Do you hand paint your badge or how do you do your badges? They look really I cool. Do. So, so I'm actually in the process of updating the badges so they have the full logo. So you'll notice that my original badge that I've been using for the first five years, it just has the X. It doesn't have the EDW62 that's in my logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was having them made at my mentor's shop on a big old 1988 CNC machine, as old as I am. And uh, the thing was just hinky, and uh, it made my badges real nice, but I'd have to clean them up a lot. Couldn't get that fine detail work. So now I'm having them laser cut by a buddy of mine, uh, James Matthew, over in Brentwood, and he's attached to Highland Hardwood, which is a... uh, uh, the lumber yard where I source the, the regular exotics like the Duke, Babinga. Uh, they've got uh, some Morado and marble wood and uh, purple heart and that sort of thing over there. Some Caribbean rosewood. Um, and he's making my badges over there with a, with a laser CNC now. I'm about to get those any day. And those are going to start going on the new drums that are going to be offered from here on out. Oh man, that would be so exciting! I can't wait to see those. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. So yeah. I do, I do a lot. I, I have been hand painting the uh, the uh, CNC carve out, but now that'll be laser cut. But I am still going to hand finish all of those, and I do poly on my badges, so there's never any cracking on the badges. Right. Yeah, I love that hand that handmade badge. That's super cool. Because I noticed you do a lot of stave um, stave style drums as well too, like like full kits, stave full kits. Yeah, I have. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a bear to do those diameters for the bass drums in the small shop. Yes. But it's <laughs> something that I've got to get into more because I've got, I've got tons of local lumber. I've got tons of walnut. I've got tons of eucalyptus, and uh, I really need to start. Bang. This 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 year, I'm going to be banging some kits out, but uh, I'm also trying to get some lugs made. So I'm trying to get some. I'm, I've got a, I've got a design which is a updated, modernized version of the George Stone lugs from 100 years ago. Mm. And uh, I, I've, I've had the design made, but I need to uh, probably got to reach out to All Star and see about getting those made, you know? Yeah, yeah. I say, hey, what's the most craziest wood that you've used so far? Ah, uh, the craziest. I probably haven't used the craziest wood that I have so far. I've got some <laughs> Brazilian rosewood. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some Brazilian rosewood. I've got some uh, West Indian satin wood, which is another extinct species, um, which is a yellow. That's a real, real pretty yellow, and that's an interesting one. Uh, the box elder that I got from Exeter. I've got some incredibly figured box elder that uh, I actually posted on my Instagram a couple of months ago. I finished up a shell for that and I was gonna make that a hybrid, but I'm, I'm actually gonna keep it its own thing uh, just cause it's so beautiful. I've also got some lilac lumber that I milled myself and I'm really excited to use that because that is as hard as ebony and it looks, it, it it's creamy baked with streaks of pinks and purples. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I can't wait to use that one. <clears throat> a nice man, nice. So, do you normally do like thirty staves in like a fourteen-inch diameter? I really, because I use like I'll go up to Rare Woods USA up in uh, Mexico, Maine, up here, and they're real good at shipping. And if you haven't looked on their website, you should check it out, Mike, because. They've got over like 135 species of wood in the building up there, and uh, they're they're a three and a half hour drive for me one way, but it's well worth it. And uh, I'll go up there and I'll go up with a few hundred bucks, and I'll buy as many interesting, strange boards that I can. I try and buy stuff that hasn't been made into drums before. So like, uh, I just made. Uh, a shell for uh, Eric Weir, uh, Weir drums in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, made a shell for him for a customer of his out of Madagascan rosewood. Madagascan rosewood. Oh my goodness. Madagascan rosewood. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. I was giving that for myself, but he was looking for something interesting, and he's been a real good customer for me. So. <laughs> yeah. You... I was like, well, I've got this real interesting one. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's gonna be a little more expensive, but if you want this one. Cause you play drums too, so I guess so, so. Like the attachment that you get to these things when you make it, it's hard to let them go, isn't it? It's tough. I don't have a single, but I at the same time I don't have a single one of my drums. Wow. Every, every drum that I've built is out in the world with somebody else at this point. Wow, that is super cool. That's super yeah. cool, man. I um I'm definitely uh that, that's what happens with me, man. And and I love the fact that you notice like you know a lot of the times. You know, the media companies and everything like that and the big time bop, you know, the big time drum stores and all how they'll push certain types of wood because this wood sounds the best or that wood sounds the best. But, you know, and I, you and me both know that, you know, different wood is going to create different sounds. And, Absolutely. you know, regardless of what it is, most of it's going to be and how the drum is tuned, how the drum, the wood definitely plays a, a, a factor in it. But it like does. they really make it out to where this got to be out of this type to sound good or that type sounds good you know and there's so many variables that go into that you know it's really about shell type like the the the, the, the main factors of the of the tone of your drum i mean when when you get away from tuning and heads and things like that then you go into hardware how much weight is on your lugs you know how heavy are your lugs are you using a welch tuning system so it's a free floater with just the screw attached you know yeah have you used um, those yet I have not. I need to reach out to them. I really, really, really love that that design, and I really want to try it. I just haven't. I haven't. I haven't been able to contact them yet. Yeah, they're pretty. It's pretty, uh, pretty good but, stuff. Yeah, I really want to try that stuff. That is such a cool, forward-thinking, innovative drum design. With also, like, like I said, I'm trying to get those George Stone lugs recreated, but to carry modern tension. So that's essentially, you know, a rope, quote unquote, rope tension design with a giant steel cable, you know, a, a heavy gauge steel cable, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's so easy to use. So that's just, you know, using the past to inform the present. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I definitely, um, I like that drum that you did that was like, it's about, it's two drums looks like they were dialed together on top of each other like they're two separate yeah. tell me and about that what is that that's my own design i call that the apollo architecture the apollo, apollo. architecture because it's just it's 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 two shells and it is it's it's so it's like a split shell 
But hold on one second. I'm just trying to position my phone right here so I can take a sip of water. You're good. There we go. So it is, <laughs> it is two shells, and then it's doweled together um, so that all of the energy isn't car- from your from your batter head strike isn't carried over the lugs alone. It's it still resonates through the shell, but you get that tympanic effect, that tembolic effect of having that big slot in the middle of the shell. That had a huge effect on the tone, mm-hmm. and it's so much more clarity of tone than yeah. like Ludwig Coliseum singing, you know? Mm-hmm. It looks like it'd be very open, very open sound, and like big, kind of really be able to hear everything very clear. That's really cool stuff, man. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm working on... I'm working on a, another step up from that, which is the Artemis design, which is a, a three-shell design connected by dowels at each stage. So those are dowels that, that are put in between the, the the space? Those are dowels that are like, or does that come apart? Does it come apart? It does it? not come apart. It's glue, it is glued together. So that they're never, they're, they'll never come loose with any kind of shell movement and start to rattle or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, if you left them, if you left them just free, you could structurally leave them in there free floating. But you know, there's always the potential that the shell will move the sixty fourth of an inch in one direction and not the other, and then you'll get a from that dowel. <laughs> yes. So um, I gotta ask. So how do you turn in your lathe? How do, how you turn in your shells? Do you turn them on a lathe, or you got like jig set up? I use a jig setup. Yeah, I got a jig setup for the outside, out, for the exterior and the interior, and I use a, uh, a router table for the exterior and a router sled for the interior. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can't beat those. But those those waves are tried and true, man, and they work they fine. Are. They work really fine, man. Um, I'm loving your stuff, man. Your stuff is really cool. So I've noticed sometimes you put a. What kind of bearing edges have you been using? Because I see some of them have a real, on the outside, it has like a, a real big kind of bearing edge. I really uh, leave it up to the customer. And for the most part, I do a lot more custom order work uh, now than I do, than I have time or money for building stuff for stock. Um, so I, I, it really just, I, I ask the customer what kind of sound do they want? What kind of genre are they playing? What kind of tuning do they like to sit in, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, if they're knowledgeable about bearing edges, I just ask them what kind of edges they want. Yeah. Uh, do they want a heavy round outer? Do they want a 45 outer? Do they want it sharp? Do they want it really gradual? Do they want the baseball bat? I also recently got a 30-degree bit, so I can do the 30-degree interior edge, the vintage edge. Mm. And that sound is awesome. If you do not have one, get one. It's, it's a great bit to have. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I like that. That's the thing about like vintage drums, man. It's like that longer they sit on just resonating on that edge and just flattens that thing out and how you can recreate that naturally quick, you know, is, um, mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Um, what type of throw offs do you kind of typically use on, on your drums? Um, I've gravitated recently a lot towards, um, I've recently gravitated towards the, uh, arch throw offs from black swamp percussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just, cold. they're real solid. They're not too heavy. I like to put when I do vent holes, I don't always vent my shells, but when I do, I like to put it hidden underneath that arch of the throw. Mm. And, um, that's just it's just a real 
pleasing aesthetic. It's a well-built throw. The price point is right, and then I can transfer that price point on to the customer, you know? I need to get with you on that, too, because that throw-off looks really badass. It, it, Black Swamp is so easy to deal with. They're awesome. Yeah. So some of the lugs that I'm seeing on, on a lot of your drums, man, look very different. Like I'm not seeing those type of lugs on a whole lot of drums, man. They're very, it seems like definitely, definitely unique. Um, some of the, some of the lugs that I'm seeing. Um, yeah. So I use, um, I use, you know, I'll use classic tube lugs, you know, uh, everybody loves a classic tube lug. Um, I've done some real wacky stuff i did a little collaboration with cherry hill in new jersey um we, on some lugs for uh uh derbeen on uh, on instagram i love and, cherry uh, hill drums they're nice Super yeah nice. yeah i i did that was the uh that basket weaves viracote paduke mm -hmm. snare that i did a few years ago uh and that has uh ego lug bases with uh tubes that are that were made by cherry hill and uh that's one of the more interesting uh one of the more interesting lugs i've i've, I've done but um the other uh what i'm really use a lot of is uh, uh champagne drums greg up in canada uh makes those awesome cyto tube lugs and uh a couple of years ago he started making me these fat cyto tube lugs which are just a, a thicker diameter just a little beefier looking, uh, you know, good, better for a touring drummer, just so they feel more comfortable about it, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely, um, definitely digging into that. Cause hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I get to kind of in a routine where I've just been kind of using a lot of tube lugs on our stuff, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot of the, uh, versatility that you guys really do, man. And I love the fact that you're not afraid to use something different. Like I noticed that right off the bat, you know, what? prefer you know I, I prefer to do it different i mean here's the thing you do use a lot of tube lugs but your shells are very identifiable as outlaw percussion shells you know what i mean yeah yeah so it's like it, it my stuff my shells are are you know they're they're beautiful they're perfect straight wall i like to do them like three-eighths of an inch thick or a sixteenth of an inch shallower even mm -hmm. uh but uh, but they're not super identifiable other than the badge, unless I'm doing you know the Oreo uh, hybrids that I do there, the uh, hybrid X's, uh, which is just the three shells stacked and joined together in the middle. Right. <clears throat> uh, and those are all vertical, so that's one cool thing that I do a little different. I think there's only you know maybe another dozen guys around the world who do that shell style. Yeah. I know that you do a lot of the segment shells, but you do the uh, you do the horizontal grain direction, right? Yeah, we do the horizontal and grain direction too. Yeah, and you do that basket weave that's got the really good joinery to it. See, sometimes, man, especially like on stave, we're down here in Georgia, man, it's real wet here, and it could be definitely a nightmare if the wood is not 100% dry. Uh, and I yep. know you know this too, because especially on staves, it'll let you know with the quickness if that, if the wood, especially if you send it somewhere where it's really, really dry and it and you build it where it's wet like it is here, yep. it could definitely be um, uh, issues. But you know that's why a lot of the drums that we're doing now, a lot of them is, is, is segmented. Uh, we're doing a lot of segmented style. I just you know, it's it's more stable as far as the. One thing that I've realized is not super stable. 
over time, especially for somebody who's not keeping it in their house in a collection, is the uh, the vertical stave. Like if you do a 20-stave drum and 10 of the staves are Purple Heart and 10 of the staves are Padoop, that's probably not going to survive over time for a touring drummer, mm. you know? Mm. As that moves through environments, those two species are going to interact differently with their environments. I've also made sure to seal up my bearing edges a lot better than I did when I was earlier in doing this. Mm. Yeah. Because that, that's <laughs> yeah. you got you to put some kind of sealant on them to make sure that they're not just sucking in moisture, mm. you know? It's kind of hard to do sometimes because, like, you know, I don't know, I've kind of, Sometimes I'll go on a kick where I'll finish the inside of drums a lot, and then sometimes I won't because, you know, you look at an old classic acoustic guitar, you know, it's natural on the inside of it. Right. You know, and, but at the same time, you know, like you said, if you don't seal that wood up, it is subjective to, I mean, a lot of times when you get a new acoustic guitar, it'll have that thing in it where it could, you know, help with the moisture from leaking out into it, you know? Yep, yep. And then the the other thing is too, so when you, that's that's a good point with the classical guitars like they don't seal them because you get a better sound when you don't seal the interior but then every owner and player of that instrument has to realize how to care for it throughout its lifetime yeah and keep it in a keep it in an environment where it won't you know keep it in a case or an environment where it won't uh, you know absorb that kind of moisture and go through that kind of environmental change and movement, you know, because those old guitars, you leave them in a shed for one year and they're done. You know, they're, they're done. They need a they need a thousand dollars worth of resto work. Yup, that's that. That is so true, man. That is so true. That is so true. Um, <clears throat> do you do any kind of um? Do you do any kind of endorsement stuff like for drummers that play your stuff? Um. So what I do for the most part is if people reach out to me or like on occasion I've reached out to people who I've wanted playing my stuff, you know, and, uh, like I've got a, uh, I've got a drummer. Oh my goodness. Hold on one second. I need to look him up on drumming Afro samurai on, uh, Instagram. Uh, he's, uh, one of my artists and he just became a cannabis artist as well. And, uh, he is just an amazing jazz drummer, and I love jazz drummers. Mm-hmm. And uh, he reached out to me and said, hey, could you do anything for me for a snare? And I said, yeah, I want you to have one, so how about at cost, and I'll eat the shipping, you know what I mean? Because that, that's the sort of deal that I can do. I've only given away two snares, and one was to a little kid who was working really hard and deserved it. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was to uh, one of my favorite drummers of all time. His name's Alan Castillas. He's uh, the touring drummer for Hail the Sun, uh, which is a drum out of uh, Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a, uh, you know, like a math rock, metalcore, amazing, super technical drumming band. And he is just a little dude, like 5'8". 140 pounds and he plays like he's 6'10 with forearms and (laughs) he's just got all kinds of amazing amazing stage presence and energy and he's this wonderful rapper and musician otherwise and he's a producer as well and uh, I literally cornered him at a show a couple of years ago and I told him hey 
I've got a drum in my car. I built it. You don't know me. You don't follow me on Instagram, but I really want you to have this. Like, you don't know anything about me. And he, he, he was so, so grateful, and he has played that at pretty much every show since then. Wow. And that, that, that one is super, super meaningful to me because uh, I just – there's something about going to a show that you know you're already really going to appreciate the musicianship and the music and the production value and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the sound in your ear is so right to you because it's something that came from your hands coming over the speakers at you. You oh know, my God. that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. What, 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 what's a story like that for you? What's a show that you've gone to where, where, where one of your pieces was being played? Well, I remember there was a, a, a I don't know, about 12 or I don't, I don't remember how long ago it was. It's been a long time ago. And casting, uh, was it? Jeremy Camp was a Christian. It's a Christian venue that, that was playing right down the road. And I had a snare drum. And I just, you know, at, at that time we was just kind of experimenting with the drums. You know, we just building. I was like, I need to get somebody playing. I'm like, who do I want to play him? And I was just kind of thinking. And um, so there was a local artist come up right down the road that was playing so i linked up with them and got to uh went bought tickets for the show but i took the drum with me and literally i put it on the inside of the drum as i just wrote on their c drum and it was the drummer's uh leaf uh scartland and i I went and found leaf and i gave him that snare drum and he played it that show at that show in front of a massive audience and awesome. at that moment, and we were just brand new at this. We had, we, we, the, we was, it was the old type badge. Um, we were just kind of getting everything figured out. I had to, it was fun. I mean, the inside of the shells were, was not milled. They were just kind of rough steel. I mean, <laughs> it was, the drum was a little, it wasn't as good as it is now for sure. It was, we was just trying it out. But man, you're talking about, it still sounded amazing. And that through the PA, I mean, that was the best moment, one of the best moments of my life, man. That was that was it, you know. I love it. The sound guys love stave drums, Mike. Don't they? Don't they? Oh my gosh, that is so true. <laughs> they do. It's it's naturally it's drier. It doesn't have all those overtones bouncing around because of the density of the shell and how it's made and the thickness. It just really and just kind of dries it up. You don't have to dick around with the mic settings because it's all power all the time. Yup. <laughs> yeah. But typically now though, man, now it's just like I found out too that if when I do giveaway drums like that, you know, if I give away drums with agendas at heart or mind or whatever it seems like they never come back like if i give away a drum that's exactly what happens it 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 goes the people that i found that really want to play the stuff that love it is the ones that will that ones that buy it and then you know those are the true brand ambassadors you know those are the ones that are going to be with you no matter what they want they want one of your drums and that's the ones that you know and there's nothing wrong with giving stuff away it doesn't nothing but a lot of times people They'll come to you. Here's what that happens with us. And I know for me that like people will come to us and they're like, you know, I'll do this and I want to play your drums and I want to endorse your, your, your product and never played your product before. So how do you want to endorse it? If you never even played it before you want something for free, you know, and I've got called into this. I'm not even going to mention the band name because big bands that you would think 
that, oh my God, they are massive and they have a huge following. And it's just like, yeah, I grew up listening to albums and stuff. And, you know, I've done it before. I, I give them, I give them a drum and, you know, later to find that drum on eBay or somewhere yeah. like that, that happens all the time. And, yeah. you know, I don't do it no more. I don't. No, I don't see, you know, I don't see any value in giving a drum completely free, you know, and I don't, I'm a, I'm, I'm a one man operation. I don't want contracts with people. I don't want pieces of paper with people saying, you know, you have to do this many posts with my drum on there. I just want people to be good, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so I only give, have given drums away to people I wanted to give drums away to, you know? Yeah. Like with no other with no other motivation behind it, I just wanted them to have my drum because I wanted them to have my drum. Yeah. Um, but for people who want like you know the quote unquote like endorsement, like you know um, that sort of thing, it's I'm more than happy to work with people. I'm more than happy not to do you know full boat retail and things like that. Uh, but at the same time, you know I uh, you know I live in an in law apartment. And I drive a uh, 2004 Ford Ranger with 200,000 miles on it. (laughs) And uh, I am not a, uh, I'm not neither a wealthy man nor a a decently off man. So it's definitely a project of passion. Yeah, man. Here's the thing. What happens too a lot of times and I've done this, you know, you get to a point to where, okay, you get more orders coming in. You start having the temptation to hire, bring help in, you know, and training people to do the thing that you truly love to do. And that's kind of where I kind of messed up too earlier is just kind of getting too many people working in the shop, kind yeah. of taking away some of the things that you love and you joy to do. You know what I mean? Cause then it seems kind of like a job, you know, move yourself from the, if you remove your hands from the drum building process and you got too many people just doing what you set out to do in the first place and you're doing, you're doing the management it's better to better to hire a friend to do the management side of it for you and stay in the workshop. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. So where do people buy your drums at? Where can people buy them at? Um, they can buy them straight from me at the, at the moment. There's only a few that are available, available. And those are at mother's music company, uh, in Pelham, New Hampshire. Uh, he's right on Instagram, Facebook, website, really, really responsive. That's Chucky Greenwood. We used to work together over at DCP over here in New Hampshire. Um, and they're good people over there too. But, uh, but, uh, Chucky opened his own spot over in Pelham and, uh, he does, it's just a small drum shop with a, with a heavy lean into the vintage and custom vibe. He does, uh, he's also a dealer for Doc Sweeney. Mm. Out, of, uh, out of California and Doc Sweeney does awesome drums I met those guys uh, Jesus the past couple of years blend together but it was sometime in the past six months I met those guys and they're awesome awesome guys yeah man hey didn't we meet up didn't we meet at a drum shop drum show one year we had did we to. meet at a Connecticut drum show I think I think so uh, like two, tw- uh, 2019 or 18 Connecticut drum show yeah I think yeah I think we did, but I think it was one of those quick things and I had mm-hmm. to rush back downstairs because I had a couple friends who didn't know about the building process trying to sell my drums. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
don't do that anymore. I just stay at the booth. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to these drum booths, so I want to just not actually have a booth and just kind of go around and mingle. I think that's what I'm going to do at NAMM this year. I got I think that's the way to do it yeah. at NAMM for the smaller guys. Because at NAMM, it's really more about finding the big guys who want to collab, who want to find us small guys to collaborate with, you know? Yeah. And the social media thing is so massive too. It's just a network as well that you can really network very well. You know, this year, um, Welch tuning is going to have a couple outlaw drums in their booth and I'm probably going to be hanging out there a lot. Um, this year and just kind of going up there and doing, doing that thing. Um, so I think that that's going to be pretty cool, but very cool. Yeah, it's, it's and I love the drum. The drum community to me has just been really amazing and awesome. And some of the guys and the people that I've met is just, I mean, a lot of people think that people are, you know, they're trying to cut each other off and that thing with the community. And I, I just don't feel that way. I feel like the drumming community is one of the most respected, collaborative communities out there, you know? Absolutely. You know, even like when I was talking to. Um, Ron, Ron Danette, you know, and, which has been doing it for so long, you know, and, you know, even him just having arms open too. So it's really, it's just really a, a cool thing, you know. And I, yeah. so tell me, what do you think, how do you think social media has been as far as your drum company? How, what kind of impact has that been? Um, I think without it, it wouldn't really have gotten off the ground, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I think that uh, without social media, there, there really wouldn't be a market for the small boutique builders. Otherwise, I'd be having to go to every single show, every single drum show. I'd have to be renting a booth at every event. I'd have to have a whole bunch of capital right at the outset to get things going. And uh, with social media, it's, you know, I've done a few hundred bucks worth of ads on social media, but they don't seem to really pan out as much as just getting your hashtags right and nailing the al algorithm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been doing a little, I've been posting now. They've got a new platform out um, on Rumble. It's kind of like YouTube's competition. Mm -hmm. And I've been kind of posting some videos out on there. It seems like it's been getting some attention. And TikTok, believe it or not, just trying to post a different type of, because um, you're gonna, if you look at the kids now. Most kids, a lot of kids, are they're not really doing Instagram too much. They're doing Snapchat. They're doing TikTok kind of stuff. Um, so putting content out there that kind of adapts to them because they're they're the future. Those are the ones coming up. You know, they um, are for sure. But I think at the same time, so I get that and I do understand that and I have thought about getting onto TikTok, um, but. My youngest customer, so my youngest artist is like six, you know, her father bought a snare for her. Um, but, uh, but, um, my youngest customer is probably 24, somewhere around there, you know, and I just, uh, I know the kid that I was, so I still work. I don't want to say, I don't want to give these kids a hard time. I don't think that they make enough money to be, to have the excess to spend on hundreds of dollars for a custom drum. Uh, these kids are getting screwed right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, like I, I still work delivering pizza like 30 hours a week. And, uh, I work with a bunch of these kids at a restaurant locally and, um, like they're, 
listless and lost and they don't know what their future looks like. And, uh, I don't think that any of them are really passionate about, I don't see the passion for anything from them because they've been so under the boot their whole lives. You know, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> and, and, and it bums me out because I try to have conversations with these kids about what are you passionate about? Like, do you like fishing? Do you like hunting? Do you like cars? You know, like, uh, you know, are you, are you, are you, are you a woodworker? Are you into the are you skateboarder? And there's no passions. Yeah. You know, um, that's the thing, man. I'm gonna tell you people that don't have a passion and don't, they're not into anything. A lot of the times, man, they'll go down these bad routes, man. They start getting into drugs and mm-hmm. start going down these other paths, and it's just—I feel like you need to be passionate about something. You need to have something to look forward to, and something to kind of start digging into. They, like you said, man, they're just staring at their phones all day long. That's all they do. It's like, golly, yeah. get out and live a little bit. Yeah, I went to uh, I, before, way before any of the drum building or anything. I went to school for anthropology and uh, sociology, archaeology. Those, you know those disciplines and uh i focused a lot on social media and the internet as you know it's a new landscape it's we have a physical landscape you know we have a mental landscape that's in our head you know mm-hmm. we have you know religious landscapes you know we know where the church the, the churches are on the hills in town you know what i mean we have that sort of thing now we have we, we have community landscapes and there's a new community landscape on the internet that we don't understand and has totally changed the mind work and the way that the, that, that the, that the mind processes information for kids who have been indoctrinated into it since birth, you know? Yeah. I think it's one step of turning into like a cyborg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer, but that's what it feels like. Cause I know one thing I use my phone a lot for just remembering stuff and helping me do this and helping me just like another part of it's like the part of my brain. And oh my God, if I don't have my phone on me, I'm a nervous wreck. Yeah. I'm looking around and saying, uh, something's going on here. That's definitely crazy. Um, so let me ask you a question about drums. So what do you think? How much do you think actually tuning the drum, drum heads and tuning versus wood type drum heads drum heads are a big factor uh just because there are so many different heads you know if everybody was using calf skins the wood type would have a lot more to do with it but the type i'd say they're about even yeah you know yeah because i know you can make a crappy drum sound good by just putting new drum heads on it and just kind of giving it some tlc and a lot of it is the edges too they a lot of it is the edges yeah and how round that shell is um yeah you know and all that kind of stuff too plays it plays a huge pole so where do you where do you where do you visualize um your business going to be at in the next five years in the next five years, I'm hoping that I won't have to deliver pizza anymore. <laughs> uh, I'd like to go full-time into this and uh, hopefully move into a slightly larger shop space. I'm in about a 600-square-foot space right now. Yeah. Um, but that that meets my needs for the time being. I'd, li- I'd like to upgrade to, you know, some more automated processes just, just so that it won't be as laborious like right now i'm i need to get a feed wheel for that interior rounding you were you you told me to do that a long time ago 
And I tried one when I was early on in the process, and it terrified me. But I'm just going to get one with a little less power. Yeah, you can't get it. You can't get it. You can't get a big horsepower. You have to get that little, little one that comes with. It's almost kind of made for like a um, uh, a router. I mean, um, yeah, a small router is what it's made for. But it's. And then, are you uh, supporting your shell on caster wheels, or are you supporting it on uh, conveyor belt rollers? Um, conveyor belt rollers. That's what I do too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, conveyor, so, so, that, that I can move, that I can interchange as far as the different sizes. Ah, see, I just got different holes in my side plates. Well, I so feel, I, I found like because a lot of times if I'm doing like, I, I right now I can go from a ten, I can do a ten to a twenty-four inch. See, I can't get a ten. I can't get my router inside a ten. Yeah, I got to get a small, a small router. I have to, a small router that the switch is on the side of it. Um where it'll just bear and you have to adjust a bit just right too yeah i what i did for what i do for my tens is i've got a reverse form uh that uh makes the shell exactly three-eighths of an inch thick after you run a flush trim bit around it okay so you do it um i think you do you do some work with a flush trim bit don't you yeah 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 so I do like that, but I've got a little piece of MDF that I plug the outside rounded 10-inch shell into, and then I just spin it around a flush trim bit on a router table. Mm. Okay, basically the same. Basically yeah. the same. I was um I was talking to um, the Micah Doring um from yeah. um you know him don't you? Oh, he's innovative as fuck. I'm Dude, sorry. On his podcast, I can fucking swear. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this joke, I just talked to him. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, some of the stuff that he's doing with the CNC stuff and the steam bin and stuff, he is pushing oh, the limits too, man. I, and I'm, I'm getting I'm getting motivated too because I want to tell you what it makes me feel. It makes me want to step up my game more too, don't it? And just kind of like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just a, uh, you know, it's, it's competitive at the same time it's not. But it just want, you always want to push the limits and see – some of the stuff that's just like, you know, because some of the stuff that you, I've never seen some of the stuff that you're doing, you know, and it's, yeah. it motivates me and inspires me to push the limits of what I, what I can do with it, you know, and that's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, absolutely, brother. It's definitely an amazing thing. Um, so I know, yeah, so we were talking about the drum tone. A lot of people think that, um, you know, you got to have certain types of wood to make your drum sound good. And I just don't think you do. No, you need to have a certain, certain, so you need to communicate well with your drum builder to get the sound you want. Facts. Yeah, you need to communicate to your drum builder what sound you're looking for, what species you've liked in the past, and what species you might be interested in right now. Yeah. You know, um, like if somebody says that they want a maple snare to me, I say, have you ever tried tiger wood? <laughs> you know yeah. maple's boring as hell but tiger wood sounds real close you know yep. it's a little bit harder but it's uh you know pretty close to rock maple yep and uh you know if they say uh they want walnut normally i don't t i have so much walnut i need to use it and walnut's beautiful um but uh if they want like walnut you know or if they want mahogany there's a whole bunch there's you know 20 different species that fall into that softness range you know yeah yeah so i try to steer them to something a little more interesting yeah i'm right now i'm currently um 
into building drums out of um i'm doing a lot of pine stuff right now and i'm doing a lot of six lug stuff like my current snare drum side because it changes you know you get kind of into something and it moves around right yeah. now i'm into the six and a half by 14 six lug oh my god six lugs I love man six lugs get a bad rap because of uh because of how much the vintage shells moved over time mm-hmm. and how did how bad those how like sloppy and low quality control their bearing edges were yeah uh six lugs didn't sound great on older drums but six lugs on a modern drum especially a stave is so you have so many options for tuning it like it's a huge range. You can tune it so low, and it'll be at tension and fat. You know, fat, just bleh, just big. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's kind of what I'm into now, right now. I'm just, I get, I get bored with different sounds, and you know, I just got like experiment different sound. I'm like you, man. I like to play around with different edges, snare beds, um, you know, different thing. It's just, it's, it's really so much fun. Really, it, the finishes and. You know, having your own drum company, man, it's, it's definitely, it's a lot of work because people don't realize, too, it's like, you're a media company. You're a media right. company that you're doing, uh, actually building the drum is actually the easy part of it, if you want to be honest with, you know, that's the easy part, you know. It's everything else that has to come yeah. into it to make it all work, you know. And then you get, you, get, you get the people who hit you up and you quote them, you spend six hours over three weeks quoting them and then mm-hmm. they go oh i decided to buy a ludwig yeah yeah because i can you know? get i can get this one for fifteen hundred dollars well you know i can't even buy the hardware for fifteen hundred dollars just about on a drum kit i mean drum right. hardware is expensive man the good quality hardware and that's super the thing expensive. i won't use cheap 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 hot metal hardware i can't do it i can't put that on my work mm-hmm. I, I can't put my name on that you know yeah man so if somebody wants to see more of your work um, where do they need to go to uh, they can go to uh, my Instagram Exeter Drumworks they can go to Exeter Drumworks on Facebook I've got my website which is exeterdrumworks.com but uh, there's it's not updated regularly uh, if they want to see my drums physically they can either message me uh, any of those spots they can email me at jeffbeck at exeterdrumworks.com uh, or they can uh, reach out to Mother's Music Company in Pelham, uh, Chucky Greenwood, and uh, he can get he can get them uh, into his shop and uh, trying them trying them out. Man, well, you take care, Jeff, and you have an awesome day, man. And thanks again, brother. You too, brother. Great chatting with you. Yes, just want to say thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Process. And just thank you so much again for because if you listen to this part of the episode, that means you have listened to us talk for almost an hour. And that right there really, truly warms me up like crazy. Um, I just want to encourage you and just want you to stay positive and just guys, be safe out there. Love one another. Uh, keep drumming. Stay focused. Uh, practice habits are so important, guys. I just love you. And until next time, my Patreons, guys, thank you so much for all your support there. And anything I can do, reach out to me, send me a message. Love you so much. Peace.